Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I'm Christoph Newman. And I'm Nate Jones. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and generally more enjoyable. Yes, we love closure. We want you to love closure. Um, and just for those uh, who might be tuning in for the first time, uh, a good thing to do would be to hop back to episode number one, kind of introduce you to us as podcasters. And the other thing you can do is we're in the middle of a, a series. There's a, we're a couple episodes in, so hop back to episode 101 if you want to see where we started. So you're not kind of lost in the coal mine here. Yeah. And in this series, we've been exploring Sportify. <laughs> Sportify. The mission of Sportify is to wallpaper social media with sports highlight reels. Sports, sports, sports. <laughs> That's right. Sportify. Yep. Yeah, we, and, you know, we're, 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 we're working at a fictional company where the boss has, has not realized his dream of wallpapering social media because poor Alice, the intern, was only able to do one a week, and that's not a whole lot of wallpaper. Right. And then Alice had to go back to school. And so now, now Alice is doing zero a week. The nerve. <laughs> the nerve. Have a real life. The nerve of going and learning more, more things, right? So the boss, the big boss, has reached out to us, and we're in the midst of trying to figure out if we can use some uh, closure to solve this problem because we like closure and this is the closure podcast. If you're a fan of C++ or Rust, uh, stick around. You might like it too. Yes. <laughs> you might find it simpler in a few ways. And so <laughs> like many problems, this is a situated problem, right? It's a real world problem. And like many real world problems, there are these parts that we control, the parts we don't control, and we got to go figure out those parts that are not under our control. And so in our last episode, we had fired up our Fiddle, which is our REPL connected editor. So Fiddle file, and you can go back to our Fiddle episode from last week to listen to that. And we have one way back at the beginning of the podcast. I think it's like episode 14. 17, 14 through 17, the, something like that. Way back in history. Way back in history. And, and so it was great, right? Because this fiddle file, we are beginning to explore the database. And we're running JDBC SQL queries using, uh, well, I don't know if we fired up Honey SQL, but I like Honey SQL a lot. So we're just going to give that a mention. And next, JDDC, use those together. And we're evaluating these forms in our REPL connected editor file, aka our fiddle file, to figure out what on earth is in this database. Yeah, we know, we know from our uh, asynchronous messaging system uh, requirements uh, process, we are supposed to... <laughs> uh, sorry, that's email, by the way, if you didn't miss ah. the last episode. Yes, um, email. that we need to uh, we need to get the information about what highlights to create via this database. So we know somewhere in this database is the nugget of gold that is buried among all of the the sports data in there. And uh, so we have a you know it's pretty easy to get the schema. We got the schema. We got a you know basically a large overmap. But then it's like where are we going to find you know where are we going to find the information about about the, the games that we need to highlightify, sportify. <laughs> yes. 
So what's cool is NextJDBC lets us get listings for the tables. We can discover what tables are there. And we're looking at that and we notice, hey, there's a table called events. <laughs> that sounds useful. <laughs> so we search <laughs> through that and start querying. And lo and behold, we figure out that this database, it has the different competitions. It has the different games that are played. It has the teams. It has the dates. It has the scores. It has who won. It has links to websites. It has links to players. It has links to headshots. Oh, it has so much data. Wow. But it seems like it has a lot of really useful things. Yes, and at this point in time, it might be tempting to uh, to go and look at all that data. But really, what do we need to know? We need to figure out the information for, well, I mean, we're doing a highlight reel for, you know, a, a game, you know, just one of those events. And so we need to find the right event. So how do we find the right event? I mean, how do we, how do we go about get doing that? I mean, we're, we're exploring right now, so we have a somewhat of a map. Yeah. And, and this is where based in on my past experience, usually we talk about these things as a particular set of teams playing on a date. Right. So if we know what date and what teams, then we can find the right thing. And so we can play around with our SQL to figure out how to build up a query that lets us put in a date and put in the teams. And in our uh, asynchronous message bus, you know, <laughs> the manager, the boss, the boss man is going to send us probably that information. Hey, did you see the Clemson versus uh, North Carolina game on October 12th? <laughs> That's the one we want. That's the one we want. Oh, oh, it had some great highlights. And so uh, I think I I like to start with the way people like to naturally talk about these things. Because if you start building up your language, we talked about building up your language in prior episodes. We won't link to them because we talk about it all the time. So uh, if we talk about building up the language, it helps to start by describing things in either the innate way, the way the system must, like the inputs the system must have, or the way people talk about it, kind of depending. In this case, it'd be great to build up a function that can take a date and some team names and spit out an event for us, the event info. Yeah, and I think I think you, so you mentioned Honey SQL, and I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Honey also. However, when I'm early on in this kind of exploration phase, um, I, my, my mind still defaults to writing SQL strings, which is a great way to start. You know, you can just hand the SQL string with a couple of bindings to NextJDBC and get a result. But then over time, I, I, find, I find that the time where I start using Honey SQL isn't where I have, you know, a select ID from table where something, uh, where something simple. It's where I need to do an in clause because if you have just positional parameters, you know, little question marks and, or, you know, what are they called? Bind parameters in SQL. It's easy to just, you know, put that in a string and then have, have the parameters at the end. But as soon as you need to do an in clause, Oh, that's where honey really shines <laughs> because you yes. can just give it, you can give it a data structure, which is, you know, a, a vector of IDs or a vector of dates or whatever. And it will do all the interpolation for you and pull out the, I mean, it's just wonderful. I mean, even that one feature alone would be enough, but there's plenty more. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I start writing SQL and strings, and then I hit this point where I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I think I want some structural editing here to help. And that's a great a great thing about Hiccup and HoneySQL and other formats that are using closure data structures to describe things, because now you get the power of structural editing when manipulating that. When you're just doing a bunch of string manipulation, it's a pain typing various parentheses and keeping them balanced and all that. Hey, I can have my editor do that hard work for me. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big win to use hiccup and honey and things like that. And, 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 and using structural editing is, is a good part too. But the, the other side of it is when you are writing your qu- queries with honey, the, the actual data is a map instead of a string and map is something you can do all of the closure power with. But also, Honey comes with with several with just these a whole bunch of uh, they call them I think they're called helpers, and so you can take a query and you can pass it through like a a, a helper called select and just give it you you know thread first operator. So if you pass it that through, and you can just say hey, so, oh I want to select and give it an additional column, or oh here no, add this where and it, and 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 it will it will dynamically know where to put that in the data structure. So instead of you having to know the right association or whatever. It's kind of encoded in those in those helpers, and it's yet another example of building up the data, the uh, building up the, the 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 vocabulary of the system, so that you're actually able to talk about it at a higher level instead of instead of the the way that the data is is structured inside that query map. Right. It sounds like you're in a similar situation to me. When I'm exploring data, I end up with a bunch of queries that are all pretty similar to each other. It's like I'm querying in a table and I'm pulling out these fields, or maybe I'm going to query and join it to that table, query join it to this other table. So I have all these query fragments that are repeated. And so what's cool with Honey is I can def a query, Mm -hmm. and then I can use its uh, helper functions to take that base query and throw something else on it. And so I end up with a bunch of queries that are all defs. It's all data. You can inspect it. You can see it, you know, there in your editor. But it's a little faster than copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. Um, I find it, yeah, it's certainly more pleasant to, to read. So obviously, like with, with any of these things, you have to decide how much work you want to do in your fiddle, this is very utilitarian, right? We're not going to, we don't want to build a bunch of abstractions. No. But Honey just can help us save some time when you start noticing, oh, I'm, I have these queries, they're all very similar. So I want to be able to evaluate four or five different very similar things. So let me factor out a base and then I can um, modify the other parts. Yeah. Practicality really is, really is the name of the game here because like imagine you're exploring in a forest and you're trying to figure out what you want to put in your backpack to take along with you. You don't want to take a lot of, you know, heavy, complicated tools. You want to only bring along the stuff that is actually useful to you. And so in the same way in your REPL, you know, you're only try- you only need to build up what is necessary to keep exploring because that's the point. The point is to learn. The point isn't to not to pre-optimize and make, make the abstractions just because you want a pretty language. Right. And this is a very non-linear process. So you're Mm -hmm. looking at this table and then you're seeing your result in your evaluation buffer. So if you're using Conjure or you're using Calva or something like that, you're going to have that evaluation buffer. And then you're going to look at something else and look at something else. And maybe you're going to come back to the first thing. 
And so the beauty of using a fiddle file in this case is it's very nonlinear. You can jump around. Mm -hmm. I add comments. So I start making little groupings and I start adding these, uh, not doc string comments, but like actual start with the semicolon closure comments, comment lines (laughs) of what the sections are about. I start brainstorming ideas. I I make little to-do lists in my source. So I have a comment of uh, next steps. And then I I go to another comment line and have a dash, you know, and so all of a sudden I have a little to-do list. It's all there in that file. It's, it's, it's all centered. All my activity is centered around this fiddle file as I'm exploring and it's this place to explore. Yeah. No need to cross-reference other files or other browser tabs or whatever. It makes it, again, you're, you're only taking along with you exactly what you need for the future exploration. Right. So then we have all this cool information, but at the end of the day, we're not making database table highlight reels. <laughs> we're making sports <laughs> highlight reels in Sportify. Wow, what a boring thing that would be. <laughs> yes, no offense right. to database manufacturers. I love them, but that's not something that goes on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, somewhere a data analyst is dying because we just said their job is boring. Because, you mm. know, data highlight reels are super cool. So uh, uh, I, I'm a fan of data highlight reels. <laughs> But it's just not the same. (laughs) We have a lot of information and now we need to kind of, we know kind of where to find stuff, but now we need to move forward in the overall process of making a uh, highlight reel. That's right. And, you know, we'll we'll probably come back, but, but a lot of this thing will, will, will need to come, we'll need to, it'll, it'll become more important later on or it won't become, you know, it'll, we'll, we'll be able to figure out what's important later on. (laughs) It's better, better way of saying it. We don't know what's important right now. So we got to go get more information. And right now, a big source of information that we haven't even looked at is the Media Asset Manager, aka the MAM. If you are at all in the TV or film production industry, you know what a MAM is. Yes, ma'am. For most of us, well, now you know. (laughs) So in the MAM, it has all of the clips, all the video, all of the assets. It can have images, it can have other things too. So in this case, we discover all of the clips and recordings are in the MAM. Go to the MAM. Yes, ma'am. So what does it have as a JSON API for us to take a look at? So, Nate, you have a JSON, a brand new JSON API. As you mentioned last week, it's meticulously documented, perfectly up to date. <laughs> Not really, but there's some docs, at least, that get us pointed. And we know the host name. We know the paths. And now we want to go find stuff. So we're scanning. Obviously, we're scanning through the docs and we're looking for some endpoints that we can call and and get started. But how do you make sense? How do you make sense of a JSON, a brand new JSON API that you have never dealt with before? By using it. That's the only way that you're going to know how an API behaves is to actually call the API. And so if I was if I was doing this, I would just I would have a section at the bottom. I would just you know add a couple of new lines and start making uh, request functions, you know, or it may be even just a you know inline in comments, you know, HTTP requests, you know. Uh, let's see, what's 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 the it used to be CLJ HTTP, but lately it's been the Babashka HTTP library has been or the um, the one from HTTP Kit. HTTP Kit's got a really good yeah. client. Yeah. Um, nice. HTTP Kit's nice. You can put, you know, colon JSON and stuff like that in it and it'll automatically parse 
Jason for and, you and send Jason for you and things like that. Mm-hmm. And the and the 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 function I usually gen- gravitate toward is the one called request. <laughs> and uh, because I like I like making all of my the the data about the request all at once and then handing it off to a function. There's like wrapper functions called get and post and other things that will let you that kind of do that for you. But I I want to see all of the bits for my request and as a closure map before handing it off. Because oftentimes I need to see what's wrong with it. Because you're looking at the documentation, it's like, oh, this header has to be there. Or, you know, this is what happens when you hit uh, limit, uh, sorry, request limits. You know, um, there's all kinds of information that you need to, to put into, into that request. And so being able to see that all at once before handing it off to the function that actually accomplishes it is very useful when you're exploring this kind of stuff. That's right. And I'll post an example in the notes. I wrote up an example a while ago. So I'll just put them in the notes. And the example in this case is for uh, Spotify, not Spotify. Oh, Spotify is on the mind because of Sportify, <laughs> but no. A whole letter off. Yes, a whole letter off. Cloudflare streams. But what we generally have to deal with, so with Cloudflare streams, this is true. You have several different problems that all get complected together into an HTTP request. You have the problem of... No. <laughs> <laughs> never yeah, uh this is a this is a good opportunity to mention we have a series called web of complexity <laughs> we would <laughs> like to link to the show notes to our web of complexity series so the title should give you a sense of what we think of http in general <laughs> i don't know why we use complexity twice in that in that title it should just be called web it's already complex <laughs> Yes, the name web should already be a bad omen. <laughs> we never use the name web in a positive sense anywhere else, you know? <laughs> so, so web of complexity. So there's a lot of things going on. We have the path, which is supposed to represent some kind of resource, typically. A lot of these take REST ideology to, to some extent. And so we have a path, which is talking about some kind of resource. We have encodings. We typically have to either encode query parameters or encode JSON blobs. And we have authentication is another concern that we have to get in there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have other crazy things like encoding files that have to get uploaded, like multi-part uploads. And there's all this business about what we can accept and what we're sending. And, and then there's... Yet another concern like redirects, sometimes APIs like send us redirects and we have to follow them. Anyway, there's all this stuff going on. And so it's really nice to have a request map that has 100% of every single thing that is going into this request at some point mm-hmm. in time. It has all the uh, headers with bearer authorization and you know the token and so on <laughs> and so forth. But like we've said before, you want to build up the vocabulary. And in our composition, this is a data composition problem. So our composition series that we finished a bit ago is a data composition problem, right? So we can write functions kind of in the spirit like of HoneySQL since it's on our mind, since you're just talking about it. So you have a request map and you can write functions that have little pieces of that and then you can put them all together. Or you can have a function that just sort of expresses sorry, a map, not a function, a map that just expresses the parts related to the endpoint. And so, for example, 
in this case, we have a, in our MAM, we have a path for querying all of the uh, objects in the system, right? And the, uh, because it just has this uh, very kind of generic notion of media, media objects. Right. Of course, it's one of the most generic, generic systems in, <laughs> in existence. <laughs> media, right. it's all media. And so we can ask for things that match tags. And so we can just start out by querying, oh, just give me everything, right? And it gives us a JSON response, but it's going to be on the path. We're going to put some of the stuff on the path because it has to be resty and, well, it's a query, so therefore it must be get, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so, so we can make a map that just has method get, right? So colon, you know, method colon get, and then colon... Uh, path in this case, and then the you know the path we want to build up for this query, but you can't throw that over the wall to HTTP Kit or any of that. We have to add some more things in, right? Headers and so on and so forth. So we can have a function that takes that map and gives us a new map, and it adds in. So maybe that function takes a base map, and then it takes a configuration object that has all your secrets. In it and your API endpoints or the host name or whatever, right? And now it gives you another map back that has URI instead of path and it has headers with authorization bearer. And then it knows all this stuff is JSON. So it's going to have the content type, you know, allow content type of application slash JSON and all this business. Yeah. And then once you have that, once you, once you use it, it's exactly like HoneySQL with those helpers. It's you're you're building up an, uh, a a vocabulary to to build your requests, and then once you hand it off to the request function, you get back a response. And now it's time for now it's time for spelunking into this huge, um, probably enormous data structure. If we requested all of the all of the media, I'm sure it only gave us a hundred or a thousand at a time, uh, like any sane API does. But then you know it's time to go through and 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 look through look through all of those different uh, media. Objects, media elements, I don't know, whatever <laughs> yeah. they call them, whatever the MAM decides, whatever vernacular it uses. And and then we, you know, we, we find out that each of them has tags on it. And then we go, oh, one of the tags is event colon and then some long number. And it's like, oh, that looks like something that we saw in the database. Yes. Let's go back to the database. <laughs> so perfect time to use our nonlinear history, a.k.a. the fiddle. And look, just we just we just page up a couple of times in our in our file, and oh, there you go. There's the function that we can use to pull out the uh, event ID. Oh, so yeah, so let's grab an event ID, and then now that we have an event ID, probably putting it in a in a in a variable, you know, a var like a, with a def, we can go back down and we can make a new function, you know, uh, you know, fetch. <laughs> Fetch clips for event ID, you know, or whatever. Well, you're not going to fetch the clips for event ID. You're going to add the, you're going to make a fetch clips for event ID query or sorry, request that you can then hand to that request function again. And now we're, now we're, see, we're bouncing around in our REPL doing all, we've basically, we've we've made several really uh, composable ingredients that we're now mixing together as we're learning more and more about the system. We learn about one system and we're learning about another one. And it's, it's the, the com- combination of those two was bigger and better than either, either one of those individual systems. 
Yeah, it's, it's really useful, right? Because now I can make a little section as I'm trying to explore the relationship between these two in my fiddle. And so in that section, I can have um, some comment blocks that make calls to the database and some comment blocks that now make calls to the media asset manager. And I can def, for example, one specific event ID that we found. That def, that I, I named that event ID. So I could, I could call it, you know, recent Clemson game ID or something helpful. <laughs> and then in these little functions that I, I'm building up here in the fiddle file, I can have on one line the call to the database with that ID um, specified by its now name, the def, and I call the other one and I can run it and I can look at things. And I can also take the results of these and put them in a def because then I can take that def and I can start filtering on it. I can start building up little literal expressions mm -hmm. right there in my comment block to it's like, oh, wow, that's like a hundred of those. Well, okay, let me do a first. <laughs> let me do So let me run this thing and save it the result. So I do a def and then I'll call it mam result. And then the function that is going to do request bang and then the request map function, right? And so then I have that mam result. I don't have to keep hitting the mam over and over and over in order to know. I This thing, I can I can just send it out over to portal to look at it or look at it in the closure, you know, tap it and send it over to portal or whatever. And then I'd be like, Oh, well that's an interesting field. Let me filter by team or let me filter by some of the tags or, Ooh, let me, let me do a first on it and see what was the first thing I got back. And now let me inspect that in detail. Right. And so it's so you're beginning to work with that. And so, and, um, yeah. And then, and then, and then, so now we have this, these defs that we have in our, in our fiddle file. Well, if we if we, you know, need to go home for the day and come back, we can't just leave our computer there or up and running. And so one of the things that I, I like to do, especially with things that take a long time to generate, like say this request to the ma'am, not the state of the art ma'am, and it takes you, you know, a minute and a half to get all the clips back. You know, well, I don't want to wait a minute and a half every time I run this bit in my REPL, even for the first time. And so I like to, there's, you know, use Nippy to write it out to a file. Um, and then there's uh, times in the past where we've actually we used to do this at our at, when we were working together is we would we would have a, a a set of functions that when you called them the first time you called them it would it would get the result and cache it and then if you called it again it would it with the same parameters kind of like memoize it would have a cached version of that and then we could reset the cache if we wanted to but in general when we were working with it uh, it was only it because because the result wouldn't change we would be able to just continually and go a lot faster um, based on on that cache, either in, in memory or on the file system. Right. There is this one system I recall we were working with that had all of the tournament information in it. And oh, yeah. they denormalized the API. Well, not denormalized, sorry. They normalized the API. <laughs> right. So that you had to make an individual call for every tiny little piece. So we wrote some functions that could query for each of the pieces. And then mm -hmm. we wrote some functions that use those functions to build up whole trees of information, but it would take a while to get. And so I remember having a top level function that was like, okay, go and get all of the tournaments for this year, go. And it would have to run for 30 seconds to a minute or so. It, it, it was not fast. Making hundreds of requests. <laughs> yes. Hundreds of requests. 
But then I had this giant data structure in memory as hundreds of megabytes. And then I wrote it out with Nippy to the file system. And then I had another helper there in a fiddle that could read that Nippy file back into memory because most of my time was spent sifting through that, right? Not actually making the calls, but sifting through it. So it allowed me to park my current context in a file and get the current context back out the next day across reboots and shutdowns and, and everything. And I'd leave myself mm-hmm. notes above the nippy two explaining yeah. what I I put in this file and how I was using it and what I was thinking and what I'm going to do next. Like I'm, I'm communicating to myself tomorrow because I want to, I want to forget all this context, go home, do something else, not think about work and then come back to work and pick it all up again. Yeah. That's one of the benefits of using closure to explore, explore it is you have a full rich programming language, but then you have a full rich syntax including comments, you know, we're not programming in JSON, which doesn't have comments or in, you know, other things, or maybe a couple of different shell files, or there's, a, there's other ways of doing this, but by doing it all in one with these comments, you really are able to, to, to not only have fast performance right now, like fast exploration, but you can pick it up in the morning. Right. And because our lives are nonlinear, right? We have <laughs> these moments of linearity when we're at work where we kind of work through something, but then we get interrupted, then we take a break, then we have the audacity to go home and not think about work, <laughs> things like this, right? So our lives are nonlinear. So we want to be able to come back and remember where we were at and 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 have all the things at hand. It's, it's like a workbench, right? We're laying out yeah. our tools, we're laying out our pieces. Our fiddle file is our workbench. And, and we leave notes, little post-it notes on that workbench to remind us of things. And, and it's a very nonlinear exploratory process. All right. Well, I, I, as much as fun as this has been, I think we've been at the workbench a little long for this episode. <laughs> so we've explored the database and the media asset manager. And we, we, now have, we now have some clips that we want to put together. Oh, but do we have the clips? <laughs> well, we at least have information about those clips. We don't have the clips themselves. Well, if you if you have a reference to the clip, do you have the clip? It's a philosophical question. <laughs> I guess we'll have to answer that next time. Yes, yes. I think the ma'am has more to say on clips. So what will the ma'am tell us? I guess you're just going to have to wait Tune until in next, next time. time. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So it's a lot of fun to talk about closure and talk about video and talk about REPLs and talk about all that. And so we hope you're enjoying the series. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear if you love it. We would love to hear from you if you're confused or you have other ideas of what is good. <laughs> Especially. And the best ways to reach us are to hop into the Closure Design Podcast channel on the Closure in Slack and start a discussion there. But you can also send us email at feedback at closuredesign.club or tweet at us at Closure Design. But X tends to be a bit more of a one-way street these days. Hop into the Closure Design podcast channel on the Closure in Slack for the most interactive way of communicating. Yeah, if, if you want to talk with us, that's a good place. But also there's several super intelligent and I'm sure handsome and beautiful people that are chatting with each other. And so it's fun to join into the little community that's going there. So 
And then also, if you would like to catch up with previous shows and episode notes, you can check us out on the web at closuredesign.club. We'll publish this here as well as uh, links to other episodes that we mentioned. All right. We will be back next week with even more Sportify. And until then, thanks for listening.